Oh my goodness, it feels like it's been forever since we've recorded one of these. It has been. For our audience at home, though, it's like, well, it's just a couple of weeks. It's been like three months. I don't know if it's been three months since we, we watched Hunchback. We, we didn't watch a movie at all in September. We didn't? No, because you wanted to give me a break for when I started school. Oh, right, and then we read Frankenstein. But didn't didn't we watch Hunchback after Frank? we read Frankenstein, though? No, Frankenstein was the last thing we did. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Well... Okay, then. <laughs> Do you know what we're watching this week? Rebecca. 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 Black. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're watching the full series of Rebecca Black videos, starting with Friday and moving up through. She has a YouTube channel. I know. She has a lot of great anti-bullying stuff and things mm-hmm. like that. She's actually turned out to be quite the personality. She regrets Friday so much. Yeah, but if she hadn't done Friday, she wouldn't have the platform she has today. That's true. So... Congratulations, Rebecca Black. Thank you, Rebecca Black. This has been the old meme cast <laughs> where we discuss things that happened on the internet six years ago. <laughs> Seven, five? I think it's been years. 15 years I ago. My, I was in my old office when that came out. So like more than five years ago because we just moved to... Yeah, it was about it was about five years ago or so. Wow, Rebecca Black. It's Friday. Friday. It's mm, Thursday. That, that didn't come out in 2012. Probably, yeah, yeah. I thought it came out earlier. 2011, 2012, sometime oh, around huh. then, though, because I was in my old office, but I was—I remember where I was sitting. So, it ha- it was only, in, in any case, this is so <laughs> exciting for our <laughs> listeners at home. But the, I remember, like, in elementary school, people singing that song to annoy me. Maybe it's one of those memories that like adds itself to your past memories. No, I remember. I remember because I I know the kid uh-huh. who used to sing it. He made like a weird like parody of it about jelly beans. I think you're thinking of me. No, I know because he's in my choir class. He's really tall. His you should have him sing Rebecca Black's Friday to you. No. <laughs> so why not? Be like, hey, you still know the lyrics to that jelly bean Friday song? No. <laughs> he, maybe he could sing it for his final. No. Or at concert. No. Maybe you should arrange things so he has to. <laughs> In any case, <laughs> this episode we're covering Rebecca. Rebecca De Mornay. No, I don't. <laughs> we don't know her last name. The movie's called Rebecca. The movie's called Rebecca, and it is by Rebecca, <laughs> Mr. Alfred Hitchcock. It is our first Alfred Hitchcock movie, but not our last. Um, it's his first, I believe, it's his first American. Well, tell me what you know about Alfred Hitchcock. Zero. I mean, but he, the name has to mean something. to it you. It means literally nothing to me. Really? Yeah. Like if I were to say like. Name an Alfred Hitchcock movie besides Rebecca, you would say. Like, so your cultural knowledge of Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock is, negative, no, is nothing. Negative it's one. so funny. Like, I grew up with Alfred Hitchcock. Like, I guess when I was a kid, like, I grew up watching Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which was an old black and white uh, serial, like, t- uh, serialized, not serialized, um, anthology series. Cereal. <laughs> it's old cereal. It's just, it was a delicious breakfast cereal. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock presents toasted oats and raisins. That's my Alfred Hitchcock impression. He uh he had a show called Alfred Hitchcock presents, which was a uh, which was an anthology show like The Twilight Zone mm-hmm. or Night Gallery, where he would present. He would host it and present like short stories, like short episodes about weird things yeah. weird tales basically it was kind of like you know they were kind of the maggot like the tv show equivalent of like weird tales magazine things like that you were gonna say maggot maggots tv show equivalent of maggots <laughs> but not only was he a popular television show host he is one of the most influential filmmakers in the history of film cool. uh british guy started off in the silence came to america this was his first american film uh 
Rebecca, based on Rebecca by, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm totally, uh, Daphne du Maurier. I, I couldn't think of her name. Daphne du Maurier, um, who also wrote the book, the novella, The Birds, that Alfred Hitchcock ended up making the movie The Birds on. Alfred Hitchcock also made the movie Psycho. I know about The Birds and Psycho. He did North by Northwest. I just don't do names. He did uh, a lot. He did Rope. He did uh, many, just of course, now I'm completely blanking on every single thing he ever did, but you know who Alfred, now you know, now you know who Alfred Hitchcock is. Uh, Master of Suspense. He was the master. We'll of, see, I he guess. Was, he was the master of suspense. It was his title, the master of suspense. He, uh, I won't say he invented a lot of stuff that we think of as like the hallmarks of suspense, but he identified them and kind of codified them and gave them, gave like definitions to them and sort of taught a lot of young filmmakers kind of just the beats and how to make a good suspenseful movie. Uh, whether it's something that's more horrific like The Birds or something that's, uh, you know, like more. Uh, just like psychological like well I won't say anything else but we are about to watch Rebecca from 1940 and this is going to be a very different movie from The Hunchback of Notre Dame I'm I'm so glad (laughs) (laughs) all right well audience we will see you guys on the other side after we get through watching 1940s Rebecca Rebecca black (laughs) goodbye i mean i was gonna get goldfish but they don't have goldfish at the grocery store by your house oh they do no i've bought them what there they have goldfish. Maybe I was just too freaked out about walking home in the what dark. What section were you in? I walked around the entire store. You didn't go in the goldfish section. They have an entire section dedicated to goldfish? It's the West Wing. <laughs> You're not allowed in it. Because somebody died there? Because uh, that's where the owner's previous wife lived. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, hi, everyone. I'm Phil. And I'm Molly. And... It's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time. Welcome back. It's been a long time since we recorded an episode. It's been a long time since we recorded the intro to this episode, which was last week. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say which was July, and I was like, hmm. And in the interim, we have watched... The Raven. I mean... <laughs> Why did my mind go to The Raven? I mean, we did watch The Raven. It was a long time ago. Rebecca. We watched Rebecca from 1940. Rebecca. A much better movie than The, the Raven. Raven. <laughs> it did have a lot of things in common with The Raven, though. Okay, I don't know. I was, I was going to try to... I was going to... I was. I threw that sentence out there. I was like, I'm going to come up really quick with some similarities. It was in black and white. It was in black and white. Um, it had to do with revenge in a way. No. Or like obsession. It had to do with obsession. Um, it had a character who was obsessed with a woman. Uh, it had multiple characters who were obsessed with a woman. It had unconvincing driving scenes with <laughs> with rear projection. So it had weird. It had a very wild woman in it in the beginning. That's true. A very wild. Wait, which wild woman in the beginning of this the, movie? The, like her previous employer. Oh, oh, oh that woman. Yes. <laughs> who was the wild woman in the Raven? 
the the there were a lot of wild women in the raven were there and they were all running around and stuff they're all kind of insane is that your definition of a wild woman yes who runs around and stuff no like like someone like i was saying like wild is in like hilarious or oh, like funny not like a not like mama mama Oh, that mama. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of which mama you're talking about. Mama uh, from the movie Mama. Yeah. Yes. No, no. Uh, yeah, there was a there was kind of a funny... There was kind of a funny character in the very beginning of this movie. Not a whole lot of funny characters in this movie. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Not as many funny characters uh, as Alfred Hitchcock wanted in this movie, if you can believe it. Well, I mean... There's also he they they also had to change the entire ending so well they had to change a lot of stuff not from the novel well let's back up a little bit so Rebecca is based on a short story no no is a based book on a novel <laughs> by uh, Daphne du, du Maurier uh, who also wrote The Birds and <laughs> and Don't Look Now which was made into a movie in the seventies. Uh, Are we going to watch that one or not? No, I do not think it's on our list. Um, nor do I think The Birds is on our list. We have another Alfred Hitchcock. I think we have a few more Alfred Hitchcocks. Can we watch The Birds anyways? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It's a pretty crazy little film. Uh, but uh, Daphne du Maurier was a contemporary of Hitchcock. This wasn't like an old book. This book only came out like two years before the movie did. Yeah. Um, in 1938. And she actually was family friends with Hitchcock. Like, he knew her. And so, like, while she was writing Rebecca, he was like... I like this book. I'd like to option it to make a movie of. And Something my father seems not to understand <laughs> is that people in the past talk a lot like people do now. Uh, some things Ollie does not seem to understand is that Alfred Hitchcock pretty much talked like this. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> he talked like your Severus Snape impression. Alfred Hitchcock talked like an Alfred Hitchcock impression. If you ever hear Alfred Hitchcock talk... Good evening. So, like Severus Snape. <laughs> this is how Alfred Hitchcock. This is a terrible Alfred Hitchcock impression. But so everything you're saying is pointless. No, no, no. He was a he was a living caricature of himself. After a point, he talked like this. He was very. He had a character he played, and it was Alfred Hitchcock, and that's how he presented himself to the public. He had a TV show that I used to watch called Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And I know he, you told me about and this. And he would introduce every episode and. And he would talk like this. That it seems was, really annoying. Was, no, he was funny. He was a funny guy. Also, kind of a horrible person. I mean, that's not surprising. Because this was classic Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Because this was Hollywood. Because this is the entertainment industry. He was kind of a terrible person in a whole lot of ways. We could spend time listing all of the horrible people, but that would take 10 years. We could so... spend time listing all the ways Alfred Hitchcock was horrible, but that would take 10 years. And there have been books, there have literally been movies made about him being horrible. Um, so we're sorry, gonna, we're I got gonna... reminded of a thing I I had to watch in economics about Alfred Hitchcock. No, it was about here's how to make money. No, it movies. was about um Carnegie. Uh, oh, and yeah. but like it wasn't like any. It doesn't have anything because they were terrible people. But it doesn't have anything right. to like do with that. It was just they kept pronouncing it Carnegie. <laughs> wow, could you say every single person? Is it Carnegie? Like something along the lines, like like. This monster killed a bunch of people. The result was rather <laughs> something <carnage -y>. like that. <laughs> I don't think it's a word. I've heard Carnegie. There, it was like both of those mixed, but I know they kept pronouncing the G as a J. As a soft G. As a soft G. Yeah. Carnegie. Carnegie. Like it's Carnegie Hall, maybe, right? But but it makes you think like maybe they know something we don't. Like maybe maybe there's not secret knowledge that rich people have that we're not privy to. I hate economics. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. I really enjoy economics. I hate 
videos we watch. The science of rich people. I hate capitalism. (laughs) Down with capitalism. Uh, Speaking of capitalism, uh, Albert Hitchcock could not afford the rights to this book. Uh, Daphne du Maurier was like, sure, pony up the cash and I'll give you the rights to make the movie. And he was like, I don't have that much money. (laughs) And uh, so David O. Selznick, the producer uh, who wanted Hitchcock to like make a movie for him. uh, A movie? Was like, oh, ho, ho, Alfred watched the rights to this book, huh? So Oselznik got the rights and kind of dangled him in front of Alfred Hitchcock and was like, want to make a movie of Rebecca? And Alfred Hitchcock was like, fine. <laughs> and he hands in a screenplay that he's written. And Oselznik is like, it's no. not it's not Oselznik. It's David O. Selznick. I, Selznick was like what have you written <laughs> what is this because alfred hitchcock was like perfect book for me to adapt which in alfred hitchcock language means make a story sort of like it with some of the same names and throw in a bunch of comedy because he liked that wacky characters in his suspense movies and david oselznick was like nah we'll get someone else to adapt this thanks very much um and they did and Alfred Hitchcock made this movie, and it was the only first and only movie of his he ever directed that won Best Picture. The one he didn't write. And the one that he didn't like, because Hitchcock disowned this movie. Good. And later on. <laughs> and was like, nah, this isn't, this is no good. I don't like this movie. I don't like this movie. This isn't my movie. Because David Oselsink went back and re-edited it. Um, but Alfred Hitchcock was a smart cookie. And he had this thing he did when he made movies. Which is make them really gay? No. (laughs) Well, no. But uh, he had this thing he did where he made movies where he was like, I'm only going to shoot exactly what I need to make the movie in my head. I'm not going to shoot any additional coverage or any alternate takes or any additional scenes. And that's smart because, A, that keeps you under budget. Mm -hmm. But it also makes it so that producers can't go back later and re-edit your movies. Uh, because they don't have any additional footage to work with. So David Ostelsnick actually reshot some stuff uh, because he had to. But at the end of the day, it was pretty much an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's still considered a classic Alfred Hitchcock movie. Uh, he did try to do this thing at the end, though. David Ostelsnick was dead set on, at the spoilers, at the end when Mandalay is going up in flames. David Ostelsnick thought that he just had to make it so that the smoke rising from Mandalay made the letter R in the sky. And Hitchcock was like, no, no, we're not going to play that game. <laughs> and uh, and that's why it ended with the shot of the pillow. That yeah, like, that's more understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like the magic smoke monster. I thought you were going to say, for some reason, I thought you were going to say, and he want. That's the cat. He wanted to make it. Oh, you didn't think that was the last time the cat was going to do that, did you? Hey, Lily, this is my second. This is my second recording you've interrupted this week. Lily? Kitty, kitty, kitty. She can't hear you. I know, she's deaf. That cat is what deaf. What was I even going to say? Oh, yes. For some reason, I thought you were going to say he really wanted to put a dragon blowing the fire at the end. Ooh, And what? I was like, what? I don't know why I thought that. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Well, because it would be ridiculous. <laughs> Way more ridiculous than the letter R up in the sky. Um, so, dragon is Rebecca. Yes, it is. A very strange story. Uh, written by a, a woman who was very ahead of her time in a lot of ways, Daphne du Maurier. Um, she wrote a lot. She was part of the, like, up, sort of the upper... Her family was good friends with uh, with uh, J.M. Barry, 
who wrote Peter Pan. I think her sister was the first Wendy Darling on stage like in the original Peter Pan play. Like a lot of like famous families, like they're all like friends with one another. And uh, Maurier was, she had like two personalities. She always said she had two personalities. She said that she had her like private, like her person, her public personality, which was like friendly and a good caring mother and like a good wife. And then she had her inner life which was her artistic life and was far more like dark and passionate and sensual. And I think she's honest. And then she became a total recluse to the end of her life, pretty much. Um, and she didn't like, do, she didn't like a lot of attention. And so when she died, a lot of, there were a lot of rumors and a lot of stories were floated around about her. Uh, and the biggest story that came out about her was that she was bisexual. Uh, now, whether or not she was, we don't have any like proof but you can kind of piece it together from her private writings and just from people who knew her and were like, she may very well have had several like relationships with women, mm-hmm. uh, famous women. So of course their families got all up in arms when this came out and were like, no, 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 no. But it, it's generally accepted Daphne du Maurier was bisexual and that she included things about that in her writing mm-hmm. um, in much the same way that like, Tennessee Williams did being gay. Like it, he didn't write about, well, he did actually write about gay characters. Now they think about it, but uh, there was more than more than a few uh, undertones, undertones, on overtones of of gayness, gayness in 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 his writing and in Daphne du Maurier's writing. So, uh, but what's funny is this movie ups that a lot. This uh, movie is very gay. This movie is a very gay movie in like the sense that it has a lot of lesbianism lesbianism and potentially uh male homosexuality if mm-hmm. you look at max de winter in a certain way uh like just what even if you were gay at the time homosexuality did not tend to get portrayed in the most positive light no um because even if you were gay writing about being gay there was a lot of negativity associated with it and a lot of internalized negativity uh, just because of the way society treated you mm-hmm. and you didn't really have a whole lot of like prisms to see your life through so let's talk about rebecca before we get sorry i'm like this is like behind the oh. sheet it looks like sparkles and it's it is sparkly um so before we get too deep into the themes and undertones and overtones of rebecca tell us what happens in this movie well there's this young woman mm-hmm. we never learn her name yeah who is working as like a companion for an older woman and that sounded really weird. <laughs> but like, well, no, it's true. Like a job. Yeah. Like, like um, so she like chilled with her, I guess. And they're at this really fancy hotel, and the older woman, who's what's her name? Her name was uh, Miss Van Hopper. Miss Van Hopper sees De Winters. Is it De Winter or De Winters? De Winter. Maximilian. Okay. De, Maximilian De Winter. Maxim. They call him Maxim. Yeah. Sees Maxim and is like, "Oh, hello, Mister De Winter. Come sit with us." And the young woman's like. <laughs> and because she's like not supposed to talk i guess to like people well she's mousy and she doesn't understand like she's not upper class like yeah. this woman is and so the woman's like flirting with de winter and he's just like ha 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 i'm really uncomfortable and he starts talking to the young woman mm-hmm. and then leaves abruptly yeah and miss mick miss van hopper miss van hopper is like you embarrassed me. Yeah. And then there's a bunch But Ms. Van Hopper knows a little bit about yeah. Maxim de Winter. 
his wife died. Yes. Drowned in a, a boat. Yes. And they live in a place called Manderley. Manderley. Right. And the, in fact, the first hint we get, the first thing we see here in this movie is we get this weird dream sequence before any of this happens. Sometimes I dream I'm back at Manderley. Yeah, last night I dreamed I went to Manderley again is the opening line of the book and the movie. And uh, yeah, you get this like crazy, like spooky, eerie, like sort of tracking shot through Manderley. This like huge, like sprawling estate. It's very pretty. Yeah. Um, but this, so this whole introduction sequence, you meet Miss Van Hopper, you meet our nameless protagonist, and you meet Max De Winter, and you get their crazy buckwild courtship, which is strange. Yeah, and, it's like a montage of love. Sort of montage of vague disinterest and like it's like i'm going to go play tennis now okay you shouldn't play tennis you should come in a car ride with me right okay i'm gonna go play tennis secretly i'm going to make out with my boyfriend <laughs> oh yeah because uh ms van hoffer gets the flu yeah. so she she's like well i guess you're on your own and so the nameless protagonist is secretly dating max de winter yeah and then can we just skip all of that and get to the rest of <laughs> well it's interesting because he's not very nice Mm-mm. Like at first, anyways, yeah, he treats her kind of like very brusquely, and there's a lot of stuff with like she keeps saying the wrong thing and like doing the wrong thing around him. I mean, like his wife did die, right? You get this sense that he's a little messed up by it. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, uh, he probably shouldn't be dating anyone right now, mm-hmm. but he is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in in that like late 30s style where it's like are they do they even hold hands like what does this mean he basically bosses her around a lot and he's kind of rude um to her she's very insecure Mm -hmm. she holds herself uh so she's played by uh she's played by joan fontaine who is very pretty Mm -hmm. and very confident and a very good actor and uh has to really pull out the acting chops to play an uncomf like an insecure mousy Woman. She does a good job. She, 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 her posture, she's like hunched over a lot. Uh, she's in uncomfortable in her clothes, like in her. It's not until the end that she gets like. Yeah, you see no, that she pulls shift. out. She pulls. She does a great job in that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So like, they end up. They spend a lot of time with Edith Van Hopper, the Miss mm-hmm. Van Hopper's character, and you 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 get to know her well, and then she's just dropped. But like. Can we, like, get to the proposal now? Go to the proposal. Okay, because it's really weird. <laughs> um, so, Miss Van Hopper is like, we gotta go. Mm. And, oh, because her daughter's getting married. Yeah, and our protagonist is like, oh, crap, I gotta tell Max. Yeah. So she runs. Well, she there's, like, this whole weird, like, hour-long loop of her trying to get in touch with Max and <laughs> him, like, trying to get in touch with her and then missing. It, it's hilarious. But she eventually just goes up to his suite. And there's this, like, weird part where he's taking, like, a shower or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, then he... It's like, the shower doesn't have anything to do with anything. But he comes out, and he, like, gets dressed. And she's like, Max, I have to leave. Miss Van Hopper is blah, 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 blah. And he's like, all right. Calls up the doorman or whatever and is like, bring Miss Van Hopper up here. And so she comes up, and he's like, well, I'm getting married to your employee. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he say something uh, to the protagonist like, "You need to marry me, you little fool," or something, something like, like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or we should get married, you little fool, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Ms. Van Hopper is like, 
not happy about it. She's like, she acts happy about it in front of Max, but right. as soon as he leaves, she's like, you're not good enough for him. Yeah. So the former Ms. De Win- Mrs. DeWinter uh, was this woman. Named Rebecca. Named Rebecca. And you already start getting hints from Edith Van Hopper that the nameless protagonist is not quite what Rebecca was. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also, Max DeWinter is played by Laurence Olivier. Who does a very good job. Because he's he's literally Olivier. He's literally the name people pull out when they're trying to come up with a hyperbolic example of someone who's the best actor in the world. (laughs) Who are you, Olivier? Yes, he is Olivier. (laughs) (laughs) And he's playing kind of a jerk. Um, Kind of a jerk. Yeah, I mean, he has a reputation. Like, this movie gets a reputation for, like, oh, in the book. Like, it's about this, like, nice woman who falls in love with a jerk. But there's more to... She, he's not... Like, he's traumatized. Yeah, I always get that he comes across more of just like... He doesn't want to lose anyone, and he doesn't want to get close to anyone. Yeah, he's just got a ton of walls up. Which is understandable. Right. Especially as far as we know in this in the movie, like, he's just this guy who is mourning his perfect wife. Mm-hmm. So they get married. And yeah. They have a happy honeymoon, and then they go to... Manderley. I keep I, I keep wanting to say like Mermendale or something. It's not Mermendale. <laughs> I guess that's the city where all the mermen live. I was like I was like, what is it called? And I don't know why. I think I keep thinking about Lord of the Rings, which is probably why I like said Rivendell. No, but just like <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not that thing that sounds just like what I said. No, but just like. Uh, Lord of the Rings asking names because I'm oh, going to see, see Lord of the Rings in a few. Yes, in one. By the time this comes out, you will have seen Lord of the Rings. Three movies. How extended was it? Edition. I don't know yet. I yes, only... you totally know by now because it is months later. It was great. It I was... got free pizza <laughs> and three movies. Yeah, and then a week later, I played three rounds of D and D with people because that's what we're doing over winter break. <laughs> You're going to see three. Lord of the Rings movies in a row. And I think those three movies in a row are going to come to roughly the same amount of time it took me to see... It's 720 minutes long. To see eight Friday the 13th movies. It's 720 minutes long because they're all the extended editions as well. So we get the great mouth of Sauron. (laughs) Speaking of mouths, we meet the housekeeper. (laughs) Which one? There's like 16 of them. We meet the main housekeeper, Judith Anderson. She's not the main housekeeper. That's Fred or whatever the heck his name is. Well, he's like he's like the butler, but she's obviously like the head of the household. Everyone's terrified of her. Well, I would be terrified of her even if she wasn't in charge of me. And her name is Vanderwall. No, what? <laughs> Mrs. Danvers. Oh right. Or Danny to a few characters. Or I hate her. Describe Mrs. Danvers like in all seriousness. Describe her as a character. She's very stern mm-hmm. and very emotionless but also very full of emotion yeah and very obsessive and creepy (laughs) and i don't like her yeah mrs danvers is she's not as she's i don't know if have you ever seen one flip with a cuckoo's nest there's a nurse the main nurse in there is nurse ratchet and nurse what ratchet and she and Mrs. Danvers could be sisters they're very similar characters nurse ratchet is a little more sadistic but Mrs. Danvers gets a little sadistic in this movie as well. She Oh, really? I didn't she notice. Some, she pulls some tricks. Um, but she's a little obsessed with... Rebecca. The dead Rebecca. 
just a little just bit. Just a little bit. But talk. Look, so when when uh, the unnamed protagonist first moves into the house, like can we call her Mrs. De Winters from now on? Because the, I, I, I let's don't call wanna... her the second Mrs. De Winters. Let's not, because that's even more of a mouth mouthful. Can we so just... when Mrs. De Winter moves into the house, uh, she is confronted with countless reminders that Rebecca used to live there. Yeah, because none of her old stuff has been moved out. At all. At all. Or touched. Yeah. Um, the first thing she does, though, is break something. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> she, like, sits down at Rebecca's desk and is like, kink, and, like, this statue falls off the desk and shatters into billions of pieces, which she hides in the drawer like I would. Because <laughs> it's the most humiliating thing that like, could possibly happen. She's like, oh, no, don't, no, no. <laughs> um, Why does Rebecca just have a drawer full of tissues? Yeah. Was it tissues? I thought it was, like, paper. It was like paper towels or something. Yeah, like there's a lot of like, this is one of those movies where the set is dressed very well. And you can, there's probably a million subtle clues as to this woman's life, like in every corner of the frame. Well, like you saw the way her room was like organized, like mm-hmm. everything was perfect. Nothing could be moved in a certain way. If you moved something, you immediately had to put it back. Yeah. Like everything was folded neatly. <laughs> Everything was, everything looked completely untouched, which it had been, but since none of her other stuff had been touched, I'm assuming that means her bedroom hadn't been touched, which means she left it like that. Yeah. Uh, Or Mrs. Danvers came and made it the way she wanted it to be. But, but you're right. Because there's a scene where uh, uh, Mrs. DeWinter is in Rebecca's bedroom and Mm -hmm. she touches the brush, like, and moves it like a half an inch. And like Mrs. Danvers, like swoops in behind and readjusts the brush like really quick it's like this cool little moment sort of unremarked upon but uh like ooh, ooh. yeah how do you know which things are rebecca's hmm i wonder <laughs> that is a great question you ask maybe the fact that they all have the letter r embroidered onto <laughs> there them there are r's everywhere like if it's not something that someone specifically pointed out is rebecca's you know it's rebecca's because it's got a big old r on it that also points to narcissistic behavior and also a dog oh yeah there's that's cute, a good dog there's this cute good dog that's there but doesn't is kind of like nervous at first and i assume used to be rebecca's dog mm-hmm. um I don't want to know what she did to the dog. No, oh, she probably treated the dog fine. Fine. Um, but you get the sense that Mrs. Danvers, well, you don't just get the sense. You find out that, like, Mrs. Danvers loved Rebecca, like, a lot. Like, to an almost unhealthy degree, I would say, was obsessed with Rebecca. Not quite a Severus Snape degree. Right. <laughs> but getting pretty close, my friends. She was unhealthily obsessed with Rebecca. Um, but there was also a guy named Frank. The best guy. Frank Crawley, um, who is, he's like a Maxim's like lawyer or manager, like a state, like. Dude. He like, dude works bro? for him. Like he does stuff for him, but he's also like his friend. And he's also the only, he's the first like truly nice person we meet in this also, entire movie. Him and Mr. DeWinter look exactly the same. Okay, I di- I disagree with the exact same, but they do both have. The same haircut and mustache. mustache. Yes. And I was so confused. I was like, I thought he left. And you were like, what are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> but even he, as nice as he is, and he's very nice. He's a he's super like, down-to-earth nice guy. Wasn't He was kind of weird, though, at the same time. Well, everyone's kind of weird. No, but he was, like, weird in a different way. How do you mean? Because, like, there were some weird, like, 
movements he made towards Mrs. De Winters that I was like Mrs. De Winter, and I was like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> and well, we do find out. At, well, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but even he can't help but like fawn over Rebecca, like how amazing Rebecca was. Like mm-hmm. everyone's just talking about Rebecca. And Mrs. De Winters is starting to get pretty uncomfortable. Well, also you got to remember that the new Mrs. De Winter is not of this world mm-hmm. like she is not upper class she was being paid to be a someone's friend uh she dresses in just store-bought clothes but she continues to dress in them throughout the entire right. movie she doesn't and i think it's telling she doesn't know how to dress she doesn't know how to behave in this house and she suddenly made the head of this house like, she's the lady of the house. And it's her job to, like, organize everything and set up social event- engagements and be she in She does a pretty good staff. job, man. Well, it's interesting because you get the sense that Mrs. Danvers has kind of taken over doing all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so doesn't doesn't like the fact that Mrs. DeWinter is, re- is replacing Rebecca as the wife, but also doesn't like the fact that Mrs. DeWinter is going to be her boss at all. No. Uh and so you sort of are left in this situation where you... Th- and Oh, and Max is suddenly just totally distant. Like, as soon as he gets back in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, he starts acting like... Like, they go on a walk to the beach. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, tell us about this beach. There's this lovely beach, and it just so happened that Rebecca died on it. And then there's this weird cottage that my dad wants to live in for some reason. <laughs> it's a cool cottage. And there's this weird man. Yeah. The best man. Yeah. His name is? Ben. Ben, the frog man. He yeah. looks like a frog. He's a frog man. He's a crazy looking guy. Um, And he's like, hello. Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, because Mr. DeWinter, Maximum told her not to go down this part of the beach. Yeah, because the dog ran off. Right, right. And that's how she finds the cottage. Yeah. And then he gets mad and leaves her behind. And what's the cottage full of? Rebecca's stuff. Yeah, like it's packed full of Rebecca's things. And it's kind of like fallen into disrepair. And you get a sense that Ben's been living there. The weird man. The weird Ben. Um, but Maxim is not happy that yeah. she was there. He's like, how dare you? And yeah. she's like, dude. So what we what we've done what we know so far is that uh, is that so Maxim said that Rebecca went out on a boat, and then there must have been some kind of storm or something, or her boat capsized because then they found her body, like somewhere like it washed up, like on another beach, mm-hmm. and he went and identified the body and was like, "That's Rebecca." But he was ill at the time, right? Uh, but so Rebecca died out at sea mm-hmm. is is what we know so far, and. Then we get these really weird scenes <laughs> where Mrs. Danvers shows Mrs. DeWinter Winter. Rebecca's old underwear. <laughs> it's an amazing scene. I like hate it. <laughs> it's a creepy it's so this movie isn't a horror movie. No. And it's not really it's not really suspense. I mean it is suspenseful in places, but it's not like a typical suspense film. Mm-hmm. It's more this like jarring well i mean people say it's gothic it's it's got shades of the gothic in it it's a Mm -hmm. gothic story in the sense that it's like in this big ornate house and it's more about a woman overwhelmed by atmosphere like this oppressiveness of the situation like because that's really all that's happening is like you're watching this woman 
not know what's going on and why is everyone acting so horrible to her and so strange around her and oh by the way mrs danvers wants to show you rebecca's negligees yeah so you get this scene where mrs danvers is like guiding her through oh because she isn't supposed to go into one wing of the house she never says she's not supposed to go right but no one goes in that wing of the house it was rebecca's wing which is dumb <laughs> and so she goes and mrs danvers is there and was like let me show you around the room and she's like here's her brushes. i used to brush her hair every night a hundred strokes and like and here is the furs feel the fur on your face she loved her furs and then there's this scene where mrs danvers pulls out like a, a handmade like nightgown basically and she holds it up and she's like look you can see my hand through it and that's when uh, Mrs. DeWinter is like, bye-bye. Bye. Because <laughs> it's the closest Alfred Hitchcock can... An article points out that I read, it was like, this movie has no sex in it, no nudity in it, but you get that from that moment. Like, more so than showing someone in a sheer nightgown, that moment speaks volumes about... Mm-hmm. Mrs. Danvers, about Rebecca, about their position in the world, about Mrs. De Winter. Like, it's just this creepy-ass moment. And uh, and she's not happy. No. She's not happy with Mrs. De Win- with Mrs. Uh, Danvers. No, neither of them are happy with each other, so. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, that's great. While she, and while Mrs. Danvers is transfixed by the nightgown, she sneaks out of the... Yeah. And is like, see you later. And then a man comes in the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is the point? Like, I don't understand. It's Rebecca's favorite cousin. Oh, and we know why he's her favorite. Jack Favell. Favell? Farvell? Flavell? Farvell. Favell? Jack Favell. He's a super creep. Uh-huh. Like, he's one of those guys. Can I just is... say this? He looks like Moriarty from the Sherlock Holmes series on BBC. <laughs> and he kind of acts like Moriarty from the Sherlock He's nice to a fault. Like, he is super friendly and, like, skeezy and, like, slimy. You're like, oh, God, dude. But he's also, like, best friends with Mrs. Danvers. And, like, keeps kind of hitting on Mrs. DeWinter, which is creepy and yeah. weird. And they're like, <laughs> and, and when Mrs. Danvers is like, don't tell that he came here like don't tell mr he'd be very upset and mrs denver mrs de winter is like okay yeah see you later oh, also we meet uh we meet maxim's sister oh yeah and her like husband her. she's a little like snotty they're she, more humor characters but she means well yeah she means very well and her husband is also very snotty but he means well um like yeah they don't seem to be malicious they're just upper class mm-hmm. and but yeah they're they're a little more jovial and they all have wonderful things to say about rebecca uh just they won't stop praising her and okay so this is where mrs de winter gets the idea to throw a party and this is kind of where all the the big shift in the story happens mm-hmm. so tell us about what the, what happens here because this part drove you nuts <sighs> so before i go into it i'm gonna say i have severe secondhand embarrassment issues yeah. Um, and I hate watching characters get involved in drama, which is why I don't watch a lot of young adult series on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so this part just angered me so much. Like, so Mrs. So Mrs. DeWinter is like, I'm going to throw this ball. And Mr. DeWinter is like, are you sure? And she's like, yes. I'm not going to tell you what my costume is, though. It's going to be a surprise. Right, it's a masquerade ball, mm-hmm. a costume ball. 
And so she's sketching out ideas for her costume and Mrs. Danvers comes in and is like, I have some suggestions for you. And Miss Mrs. De Winter is like, okay. And she shows her, and Mrs. Danvers shows her this portrait of this wo- young woman and is like, this is one of his relatives, his favorite relative. And she's like, cool. Why she trusts Miss Danvers after everything that happened, I don't know. Yeah. But she does. And so as she's, she makes, the, the costume is made, she goes downstairs, and Mr. De Winter is like, what are you doing? And she leaves, and then a bunch of other stuff goes down. Yeah, so she gets, she comes down the stairs, and Maximum sees her, and I, I thought he was going to have more of a freak out. But he's more just like, go, just change, take, take take off your clothes, do whatever, I don't care, just get out of those clothes. And Mrs. De Winter, you would think that she would, like, sort of run crying. But this is kind of her t- turning point. Because as she's rushing back to her room, she sees Mrs. Danvers. I wanted her to punch her in the face. And she follows her. And she does throw herself down on the bed crying. This is the creepiest moment with Mrs. Danvers, because what does she do? She, like, comes up behind her while she's sleeping and is like, I saw you walking down the stairs in that dress, and even in those clothes you couldn't stand next to Rebecca or something like that. And I was like, time to leave. And then she throws open the window and is like, do it. Jump out. Kill yourself. Like, yeah. huh? She's like, yeah, you don't have anything to live for. First, she's like, run away. You don't have any. There's nothing here for you. In fact, you don't have anything to live for. Look how easy it would be. Just jump. Jump. And you kind of get the sense that maybe Mrs. DeWinter is thinking about it. I don't think she's seriously thinking about it. But uh, she's definitely freaked out by Mrs. Danvers. Who's like holding the back of her neck. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Lightning. Fireworks. Oh, fireworks? I thought it was well, like a like flare. It was, it's a flare. It's a flare. Yeah, okay. It's like fireworks. Because it's all. Poof. I was like, wait, what's going on? I, that's, what I, that's why I was so confused when I saw it. I was like. What? what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, A ship has run aground Mm -hmm. or like hit like a reef or something and uh, has sent up a a distress signal. Oh, because they're right on the water, Mm -hmm. by the way. They are right on the water. And well, obviously, because they have a boat and yeah, it's a nice place. Um, So everyone goes rushing out of this costume party to go help the boat. And a guy goes like a local guy goes and dives down to the bottom of the boat to see if like where it's stuck or to i don't know why why you're, why you're down there in the first place uh and while he's down they never explain it and while he's down there he finds another boat a little boat a little boat inside the boat and it's um one of those dolls one of those i don't think the little boat was inside the no, boat it was no yeah they he said he goes to say i wish like not max does it doesn't say this but like she says i wish they had just left it where they found it mm-hmm. what happened was he went down under the water to like try to get the boat i thought the boat people had found the tiny boat and it took it onto their boat oh no 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 i can see where you would think that though that would be a funny thing for them to do though that's why they sank they got a cursed boat (laughs) don't put the boat on your boat yo dog why did her boat have a cabin okay so (laughs) they find this boat it's a it's a like a boat like a, a, a uh, what's we're looking for like a just a it's a one man recre- recreational yeah, boat it's like, with a cabin let's go out on the boat and let's go out boating today my good sir and in the boat they find rebecca a dead rebecca <laughs> and people are like huh that's interesting uh 
Maxim is inside the cottage. Inside the cottage, that's where Mrs. De Winter finds him, and here's where he begins to spin us a little story about the late Rebecca. Um, well, first, Miss De Winter is like, I'm sorry, I should never have married you. I know you don't love me because you keep comparing me to Rebecca and you love Rebecca. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't understand. I hated Rebecca. Yeah. And you had like a big reaction to that. <laughs> well, I was like, finally, we're going to find out the truth. Because <laughs> like after hearing all these things, like good things people had to say about Rebecca, I was like, she's bad. Like if you if someone is only talked about nicely in a movie or a book series, you know they're bad. <laughs> like, just immediately. Well, and it's one of those interesting things. So, yeah, so he starts talking about how, like, he's like, Rebecca was a terrible person. Like, as soon as we got married, she just started, like, sleeping around and, like, going off all the time and, like, throwing this in my face. And was basically like, I'll pretend to be a nice person in public, but in, re- in reality, I'm just going to be the most terrible person on the planet. <laughs> um, and so, after one night... She is like, hey, come to the... Or he just kind of, like, sneaks into the cottage or something, and she's there. Oh, he thought he saw her in there with another man. Yeah, and so he goes into the cottage, intending on yelling at both of them. Um, But she's alone, and she's like, guess what? I'm pregnant. It's not yours, but nobody can prove that. Also, I'm going to be really, really mean about it and, like, be all, like, flaunty and, like, oh, I bet you would really love an heir for your mm, castle whatever and he like freaks out and is like super angry so he punches her in the face yeah. which, which i mean same <laughs> <laughs> he, he punches don't her. punch anyone in the face i'm not promoting domestic violence no, no no he punches her in the face enters a fugue state i guess and when he comes back around she's on the ground no 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 he, um he punches her in the face comes back to reality is like oh shit i just punched her or oh crap i just punched <laughs> her in the face and then she starts walking up to him. He's backing away. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And then she trips and falls and cracks her head open on, like, some boating equipment or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting story. We'll get back to it. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. And then he takes her body. And, he, and ruins her boat and shoves her body in it and then throws it into the ocean. Yeah, he puts her Why in the, he didn't just be like, help somebody, please. He puts her in the boat. <clears throat> he smashes a hole in the boat he opens up the plugs or whatever at the bottom to let the water in uh and then he gets in the dinghy and rides back to the shore and tells everyone that she must have gone out when in reality he put her corpse on the boat and sunk it to the bottom of the sea if somebody like trips and falls and like smashes their head open and it's not your fault please go tell somebody and get the police like you didn't do anything wrong well the reason of course that this is as weird and convoluted as it is. Is because they're not allowed to have a murderer be happy right. in the end. In the in the novel of Rebecca, he shoots her or kills her. I don't remember if he shoots her or... He intentionally kills her mm-hmm. and hides the body. But because of the Hayes Code, you aren't allowed to uh, have someone murder another... A character... You, you aren't allowed to have a murder... You weren't allowed to have a murder in a movie who doesn't get punished in the end. What if the... And spoilers, he doesn't get punished in the end. What if, like, at the end of the movie, like, he got, like, like karma back? Like, he got, like, his hand cut off. Would that <laughs> count as punishment? I don't think so. I think you have to, I think there were rules that, like, you had to, like, be punished by the law. Otherwise, it was seen as flaunting the law. Um, so he admits this to her, and he's like, well, obviously, like, you, you can never be with me anymore. Obviously, I'm the worst person in the world, and you can never be with me. And she's like... 
I'm standing by your side. She's like, no, 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 I'm totally down with this. Like, it's not your fault you didn't do anything wrong. And he's like, what? And you see this amazing switch in her personality. Like, Like, she's not this meek child anymore. She's like, no, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't be feeling guilty right now. This is what you're going to do. Joan Fontaine suddenly changes the character, like, on a dime. And, uh... All of a sudden, she and Olivier, there's actual chemistry in their scenes. Like, they start like, you're like, oh, oh, they're a couple all of a sudden. Oh, and they have their first... Not their... I think they had a kiss before, but, but their, their first, first, like, real, real kiss. kiss. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like, wow. This is totally different. It's like, he's weird about it. He's like, like, later on, he's like, there's this... Your innocence is gone. Yeah. And the... Dude, that I love so much. And she's like, don't care. Yep. She's like, no, don't matter. We're in this together. Uh, so what's funny is, like, that's kind of the big climactic moment where you find out what really happened to Rebecca. There's a bit of movie left after this, like mm-hmm. a half hour or so. Um, there's, like, a lot of, like, interviews, inquests, and trials. Not trials, and really, like, but, like... weird running around. And, like, a lot of running around because they're trying to put together... Obviously, he had identified another woman's body as Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, huh? And that's when Mrs. DeWinter's like, just tell him that you were out of it. Tell him you were sick. No one's going to, you know, no one's going to think twice about it. Like, and obviously, like, it was months, like two months later, the body was found. It was probably half eaten by fish anyway. That's not what she said. That's what I'm saying. But I'm like, yeah, that thing probably didn't have a face or anything. Because I like, I guess it's her hair. Like. It probably didn't even have hair. Right. <laughs> guess that's her bones. Like, I it couldn't. It might not have even been a female skeleton. Like <laughs> <laughs> we found this skeleton. Is this Rebecca? <laughs> yes. Um, it's obviously Rebecca in the boat, though, because of her jewelry and stuff. Um, why he didn't take her jewelry off, I don't know. Never like, would have been weirder. Why would it have been weirder? If her jewelry was just sitting around. Her, there was a cottage full of her old things. <laughs> Everything of hers was sitting around. It wouldn't have been that weird. He probably. He probably. He was probably doing it very impulsively. Like. Yeah. Uh, he's like, like undress the body and like he's not a serial killer <laughs> um, as far as we know we don't know what happens at the end of the story well I mean Miss Mrs. DeWinter is still alive at the end of the story because she's the one telling it she's narrating it and uh, I mean long story short there's an, in- there's an inquest uh, favorite cousin Jack Favell uh, you find out that he was sleeping with Rebecca oh boy oh boy was he ever and uh, that Mrs. DeWinter knew and was in on it and probably was also sleeping with Rebecca probably maybe <laughs> and he tries to blackmail okay so he tries to blackmail Mr. DeWinter into getting him some farmland no into getting him just basically he keeps he's he doesn't ever say it but he's like I want to buy my own I can't afford the cars I he's he's a car salesman he's like I can't afford the cars I sell sure would be nice to be able to afford them basically saying like give me money give me money give me money Uh, because he has a letter from Rebecca saying like I have I I just went to the doctor I have something to tell you come meet me and he's like this isn't the a letter written by a woman who's going to kill herself because the the story going around now is that Rebecca went out and and intentionally scuttled her own boat Mm -hmm. to kill herself for some reason like they couldn't they're like there's no other explanation that they can find they're like well someone busted up the boat from the inside and unpulled these plugs out so <laughs> there's a child singing upstairs and uh someone pulled these plugs out and smashed up the boat it had to have been her obviously <laughs> like how would she have gotten the boat out there if she had done that 
Well, no, they think she did it after she got out there. Okay. Like, she scuttled her own boat. She sailed out there and then sank her boat. Um, the boatman doesn't seem to believe that. Though, right. He's like, yeah, it's kind of fishy. And so uh, Jack Favell's Great like... Great pun. Wah, wah. And so Jack Favell's like, I'm going to tell the police about this note that I have unless you give me money. But DeWinter's like, awesome. He's like, fine. And he goes and he gets the police. <laughs> He's like, this guy's trying to blackmail me. <laughs> and so, God, what happens? So they're like... So wait, so she went to the doctor? Well, let's get Miss Danvers in. Mrs. Danvers in here. Mrs. Danvers, who's her doctor? And she's like... I don't know. She's like, oh, obviously you know. No. Obviously you know. You knew everything about her. No. And then they're like, well, fine. We're just going to say that she committed suicide. No. <laughs> well? A doctor she saw quite often. Yeah. This is like... So Mrs. Danvers is trying to protect Mrs. Uh, Rebecca's reputation and gives up who the doctor was. So they go to the doctor and they're like... Doctor, you saw this. You saw Mrs. DeWinter on this day. No, I didn't. <laughs> what? Who did you see then? Look, it's my book, Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Danvers? Oh, she must have been using an assumed name. Well, it was mm-hmm. Mrs. It was Rebecca. What did she look like? Yeah, she, she was looked, very lovely. That must have been her. So she came and see, saw you, and we found out she's pregnant, right? No. Wait, what? <laughs> We found out she has a giant tumor that looked that felt like a child. So she thought she was pregnant. It was actually a giant tumor. Turns out it was cancerous. Cancer. So she found out that day that she was not only had cancer, but that it was inoperable. Mm-hmm. That she was going to die like in a few months. Uh, so the idea is that she went back and goaded Maxim de Winter. Into killing her. Into killing her. Which didn't end up happening. Which works better in the book. Mm-hmm. Because he actually does kill her and it's not some kind of weird accident. Um, but, yeah. So, she wanted to die is the way you kind of get around this whole, like, guy killed his wife thing. Like, oh, she wanted to die. She's also kind of a jerk. She's also kind of a and jerk. And was blackmailing him. Yeah, like... So you find also out, was literally go, going forward to attack him. Like, like, I believe you find out in the book that she had slept with, also had actually slept with Frank Crawley. Oh yeah, we have to get back to Frank. Yeah, so let's get back to Frank. Um, so there's some snide remarks made towards Frank while they're all debating about what happened to Rebecca, yeah. and it's like, you're just defending him because you couldn't get with Rebecca. Yeah, and Mr. DeWinter is like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> So even in the movie, they imply that like she, he was after Rebecca. I think in the book, he actually got with her. He was one of her many like paramours, uh, as also Maxim's sister's husband, I believe. That's uh, not surprising to like, me. Like pretty much every guy in the in in the town, except for Maxim, apparently, except because Maxim. he never sleeps with her. Right. So uh, yeah, they, they they don't even live in the same side of the house. <laughs> so all of this comes out. Uh, that she had cancer. They're like, okay, well, it was suicide. She went out and killed herself. They're like, great, well. Mrs. Danvers is pretty upset that Rick lied to her. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because so so uh, favorite cousin calls Mrs. Danvers and is like, hey, get a load of this. She had cancer the whole time and neither of us knew. Oh, well. Toodaloo. Mrs. De Winter is waiting up for her <laughs> husband and is sleeping with the dog on her lap. Mm-hmm. And there's this creepy shot of Miss. Danvers coming up the stairs with a lit candle mm-hmm. and just staring at Mrs. De Winter for like 30 seconds. And then Maxim's coming home with... With another car scene. Another car scene with his good buddy. 
and they pull up. Oh, wait, we missed a part. The part where um, he was about to tell Frank what actually happened. Oh, right. And Frank's like, no, there's not. And you get, like, you suddenly know that Frank was protecting his good friend. Right. What does he say? He says, oh, Frank, there's something you don't know. No, there isn't. I think it's like, what a weird, cool line. Like, oh, (laughs) I'm omniscient. (laughs) I am God. I am God. I'm the God character. So they're driving home and uh, they they see off in the distance. The sunrise. Oh, wait. It's two in the morning. (laughs) It's not the sunrise. It's a fire. Where is this fire, you may ask? Mandalay. Mandalay. I want to say mandolin, but that's the type of instrument. (laughs) It's not mandolin. Mandolin. Mandalay is burning to the ground yep and he's like my wife Mm -hmm. and they well first he's like i have a really bad feeling press on the gas (laughs) and then so they get there and he's like where is my wife and you see the shot it slowly rises of the dog on the leash and you're like i feel like they did that just to make you think it might have been mrs danvers danvers maybe yeah but nope it rises and it's mrs de winter and he's like oh good you're okay you're safe and then it gets weirder. <laughs> and they're like, look, up in the West Wing. Or East Wing. I can West Wing. Is it the West Wing? Mm-hmm. And you look up, and there's Mrs. Danvers just kind of standing there. Well, she's like rushing from room to room. And then she gets... I think she's like trying to get Rebecca's stuff out. Yeah, and then she's standing in Rebecca's bedroom. And she looks up, and the ceiling collapses on her. Good. Like it's a good flames. way for her to go. And then the last shot of the movie is... Rebecca's pillow burning. Yep, going up in flames. And that's ju- that's the end of the movie. They get away scot-free. He killed his wife, basically. <laughs> okay. More or less. Uh, he gets away with a crime, at least. And he and his Mrs. DeWinter presumably live happily ever after. With Frank. With Frank and the dog. And all of his other servants that escaped. Yeah, I mean, everyone's fine except for Mrs. Danvers. They lost everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's funny is the the introduction. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. You you know that the, the new Mrs. De Winter is fine because she's narrating the intro to the story. But that's it. Like you don't know what happens to anyone else. Like you you assume that she survives. But the ordeal. do we really know that she's fine? But what's funny is in the book, the opening chapters, she's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm living with Mr. De Winter. We don't have as good of times as we used to." But, you know. I mean, did they really have any good times before But they're like, we get by. So the book diffuses a lot of it. The book is like, no, I'm fine. I, I, we survived this. Don't worry. Whereas the movie, you're, a little, you're, you're left a little, hanging a little bit more. Well, like, I, I knew De Winters, De Winters survived because she says we mm-hmm. in the intro. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, but I, like, if she survived, I knew he survived. But I didn't quite know if she survived because of the way it was introed. Like, for all we know, she could have been telling the story from, like, heaven. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, or, she, like, maybe she was, like, burned and he left her because of some weird reason. Maybe. She, but, no, she wasn't. She's no, fine. She's fine. Everyone's fine. Everyone's How fine. that house caught on fire so quickly, I don't know. Oh, those old houses, though. I think it was just a tinderbox waiting to go up. All it took was, like, It was one, made of stone. All it took was one... One spark. One candle. <laughs> it was made of stone. Um, All I'm saying. Let's talk about the. Uh, let's talk about these performers. I think everyone in this movie is good. Mm-hmm. I think everyone in this movie 
does a great job. A lot of very famous actors are in this movie, not just Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. This was kind of Joan Fontaine's breakout role. And she does, like we said before, she does a mwah, just a wonderful job playing the unnamed protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she goes from mousy to assertive, like, boom. But it works. Oh, yeah. No, she's, yeah. Very motivated. I'll say that Hitchcock was good at getting performances out of his actors. Like, through his entire career, he knew how to get these on-the-spot performances from his actors. Um, Mrs. Danvers, by Judith Anderson, she's amazing. Like, she's terrifying. She's she's terrifying. <laughs> that's it. That's it. She's just terrifying. She is just terrifying. But she's also, like you said, like, first you said she was emotionless, and then you're like, but very emotional. Because <laughs> she, she pulls it out when she needs to. Like, Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> she, you think she's just, she's cold, but she's sort of like. She's fiery. She's, it's all just like, like a pressure cooker inside her. Like just waiting, like just this seething cauldron of like. It's like, um, when water freezes in like rocks mm-hmm. and like breaks the rock open. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can just see that she's just about to burst. Burst. Or it's like really old boilers that explode out of people's houses. Exactly. Like the end of the shining. It's like the end of the shining. Does that uh, happen at the end of the shining? I don't think yes, so. Yes. That's exactly what happens at the end of the shining. A boiler explodes out of the hotel? Yes, the entire hotel blows up because the boiler explodes. I don't remember that. <laughs> that's how the shining ends. I just remember the snow and being like, that's very cold. You think of the movie. Oh, this is how the book ends. The okay. book ends with the whole shot. I have not. Spoilers get... for a forty-year-old novel. I haven't been able to get through the book because it's so long. It's long. I love it. Anyway, uh, Frank Crawley was played by Reginald Denny. Very good. Jack Favell played by George Sanders. Amazing as a slimy jerk. Um, who plays Ben? Where's your favorite character? Ben, Ben, Ben. Oh, Leonard Carey. Yeah, because the reason Ben is so weird is because he caught. Rebecca and the cousin in the act of their That's right. courtship. And she was like, I'll send you to the asylum if you tell anyone. Yes. And so he's just terrified that he's going to be sent to the asylum. Uh, he's He refuses to say anything. Mm-hmm. And the court eventually just has to dismiss him. Right. Yeah. Um, he also appears in a later Hitchcock film, in Strangers on a Train, the actor Leonard Carey, who played Ben. But he has a great job with only a few lines. He doesn't come to much in the story, but... He's there. He's there. Um, Dr. Baker, the doctor who was Rebecca's doctor. Oh, I liked that guy. uh, He has one scene. He was played by Leo G. Carroll, who uh, is probably best known to our listeners from from the the lyric, I knew Leo G. Carroll was over a barrel when Tarantula took to the hills from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> so, uh, followed by, and I really got hot when I saw Jeanette Scott fight a trip that says Poison and Kills. Uh, Leo G. Carroll, you know him from The Man from Uncle. Uh, that's, like, I think that's, I think that's his big, his big role. Um, he's in The Man from Uncle. You don't know him from The Man from Uncle. You're probably not a big Man about. from Uncle. <laughs> the Man from Uncle was a spy show. Oh, God. That I was, don't want to know anymore. Well, it was, it was, uh, it was, funny and inventive and very colorful like not like a lot of spy shows from the 60s like it was like very amusing and fun to watch and the two leads were boy crazy about each other they weren't really but like we're neck a lot of shipping we're, we're neck lurchers a lot of a lot of shipping in that in that in those in those what were you characters. doing with your 
crazy dance um, speaking of boy crazy is max de winter gay i don't think so you don't think so Mm-mm. there's some talk about that i don't think he's gay i think that he's asexual mm. and aromantic that's interesting because he never explicitly shows interest in anybody yeah like he's like i was head over heels in love with rebecca but nobody falls out of love because someone's a jerk <laughs> <laughs> not a, not right away anyways like, the fact that he was, like, literally, like, oh, this person's a jerk, better shove them off this cliff, he was never in love with her. Yeah. Like, and I don't think he was ever really in love with Mrs. De Winters either, or De Winter. Because, like, yeah, they, like, kissed, but he made sure that she had her own room. Yeah. And, like, he never had sex with anyone that we know of, and there was, there's just... He never, like, shows romantic interest in any men. Like, he never, like, yeah. makes, like, a move on a guy. I would say that, uh, yeah, I find I find his character fascinating. He's, like Mrs. Danvers, he's, like, this seething, like, pent-up. He's got a lot of emotion under his surface that he's not letting out through the whole movie. Uh, he does finally relax by the end. But, no, I see what you're saying. It's like, uh, like, he he's sort of trapped in a world where he's expected to be married and partnered off because of his position Mm -hmm. and his gender, but he would just probably rather be alone. But I think he and Mrs. DeWinter in the end, I think they make a good team. Yeah. I think they would be good buds. Yeah. I think, well, she even says like, I just want to be your friend or something. Like, can we just be friends? Like I'd be happy with that. Yeah. He's like, Oh, okay. Let's talk about Mrs. Danvers and the late Rebecca DeWinter. Do you think that they were lovers? I think they were. You think they actually had a relationship? Like, mm-hmm. In addition to all the men she was with, you think she was bisexual and like, mm-hmm. and like specifically with Mrs. Danvers. Mm-hmm. That's something that, of course, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, not in the novel. Mrs. Danvers in the novel is an old woman who raised Rebecca basically from childhood. Yeah, and so all of she's still obsessed with her, but it's all like. The, parental the creepy parental obsession. Uh, I hate creepy parents. So, either way, you're getting you're getting creep uh, in here. But uh, Mrs. Danvers is also because she is. I mean, it's not even like subtle. Like the she literally pulls out Rebecca's old underwear. Right? <laughs> it's like feel it, feel it. Um, she keeps trying to get like um, Mrs. De Winter to dress up as Rebecca as well and like act more like Rebecca. She is in the unfortunate role of the monstrous lesbian which was basically the only kind of lesbians portrayed on film until recently 1989 are you sure <laughs> um yeah. she fit the she fit the bill perfectly which is she's cold she is sexually sadistic in some ways and she dies in the end lesbians specifically always had to die in the end uh again if you haven't seen the movie the celluloid closet i highly recommend the celluloid closet i believe it might actually specifically call out rebecca for its like portrayals um because she's not camp she's not like over the top like lesbian uh well like that's like over the top you, what, the impression you just did is like over the top gay man. Well, but I'm saying like there was a there was like she's not the the butch or like the lesbian that got portrayed. Yeah. Um, but it was much more 
sad and subtle in some ways worse because because there's like this grounded emotion there and then she gets punished at the end um i didn't like mrs danvers so yeah they made her unlikable she's legitimately unlikable like i don't feel bad for her in the end um what's funny though is daphne du maurier wrote a play of rebecca Mm -hmm. um in 1940 i believe maybe the same time this movie came out uh it was successful it ran for a while I believe in her version of the play, Mrs. Danvers is saved in the end. She's pulled out of the fire by uh, by Maxim de Winter, uh, which means that Daphne du Maurier had feelings about Mrs. Danvers that run counter to Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. what, you know, how he felt about Mrs. Danvers. I mean, he's not a woman. He's not a woman. He had bad feelings about women. <laughs> he like, wasn't the nicest man in the world. Wow, really? I didn't know. <laughs> like... It's interesting to see how different stories get told from a man's perspective and a woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, like looking at Frankenstein from a woman's perspective, things get a lot more dark. Yeah, and like that's saying something. Cause it's a dark book, but like things get a lot more like horrific. Yeah, and like dense. And looking at it from like a man's perspective, things are dark and terrible. But the impact of the woman Frankenstein or the woman monster getting teared apart isn't as big. Hmm. Like, you. S- Why am I talking about Frankenstein? No, no, no. About- it's like, I was like, where are you going with this? Like, I'm just like comparing like how like a woman views things versus a man how a man views things mm-hmm. is very interesting to me. Yeah. Because there are characters that they may not have been likable, but they are redeemed right in the end and that differs between men and women like i'm not gonna go into that because it's politics but (laughs) (laughs) how do you feel that's reflected in the treatment of women in this story i think that the treatment of women in this story is harsh (laughs) and awful because two of the main women are killed yeah and the one woman who does survive is portrayed as meek and ugly through most of the movie and but is only treated well when she suddenly becomes this like assertive like hot like female like that's like the first time they kiss it's the first time like she gets her to speak her mind. Like, I feel like that says a lot. And when people are always like, why are you like getting so upset when people interrupt you? I'm like, because otherwise no one will listen. <laughs> like, it just, it upsets me that in order to be like heard, she has to change her personality. Mm. And she changes because she needs to save this guy. And she doesn't, like, she never does any, like, if he gets mad at her about something, she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He, if he does something to upset her, he's like, sorry, I made you cry. And that's it. But she has to, like, do all of this stuff to get him to forgive her. I feel like that dynamic does shift, though, by the end of the... But only because her personality changes. Yeah. No matter what someone's... Per- well, okay, that's not true. If somebody has a shy personality, still listen to them. Yeah. Like, don't turn them into a doormat to walk all over, because... Like, if they, like, they will leave. <laughs> like. So why do you think that she stayed with Maxim Because she loved him. Do you think she loved him? Mm-hmm. 
Do you think she'd ever been in love before? No. Yeah, it probably wasn't the best first relationship. No, it definitely wasn't. It was manipulative and abusive. Do you think she ended up a better person at the end? I think not. You don't? (laughs) I think that... I mean, she definitely ended up a stronger person at Mm -hmm. the end. But the fact that she helped him get away with basically murder is not okay. (laughs) I'm like, just go to the police. Just be like, hey, my husband just admitted that he covered up Rebecca's death. And then you get his money. So, like... (laughs) (laughs) I wonder uh, wonder what would happen if she'd done that. Like, yeah, I I don't know. Like, I wonder why she chose to do the other thing. You could see it as, as her kowtowing to the needs of a man. Or... You could see it as she makes a strong choice. Like she's she's taking taking control of this narrative. She's making it her story now. It's not Rebecca's story anymore. It's hers. Like she's, yeah. she's gonna be the hero in this story. But also like we never get to hear Rebecca. Yeah. Like we never get to hear her voice. We just hear from Mr. DeWinter. Yep. So I was gonna say, A, the only way we know how Rebecca died in this movie is through his confession, which was weird and didn't make a whole lot of sense how it happened. Uh, and kind of sounds like he was... Lying? <laughs> lying or not telling the whole truth. So for all we know, he did just kill Rebecca. For all we know, she was a perfectly decent human being. Um, well... <laughs> like, maybe she didn't want to be married to him. Yeah. But like, just because like she slept around doesn't make her... It doesn't make you a bad person. Uh, it does in the book, because I think the book is a lot more clear about people are just like, oh, God, no, she was terrible. Like, no, 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 no. But she nobody was... else except for him has anything right. bad to say about You don't her. get that. What's interesting is if you look at it, if you go back and watch the movie knowing and, like, taking to heart what he said about her, that she's a bad person, and then watch the way people describe her, it makes a little more sense. You're like... Oh, they're not actually coming right out and saying she was an awesome person. They're sort of speaking around... Don't speak ill of the dead. ...what the facts of the matter are. Yeah, but but you're right. Rebecca never gets her say. Like, for all we we know, she was, like, unhappy, depressed. She could have had some other trauma in her life. Her cousin (laughs) could have been, like, forcing her into this, like, weird relationship. Like, we don't know anything. No, we don't. We only hear her story from a man's point of view. Yeah. It's very uh, Frankenstein in that sense. Like, we hear, oh, she was such a biatch because she, like, didn't love me. <laughs> like, that sounds like something a guy who didn't get the girl he wanted would say. Yeah. I mean, he presents his side of the story, which is that she confronted him right after they are married and was like, I'm going to screw around on you. And if you say anything about it, you're going to be humiliated. It's you're too far above and like a too in a position where you can't get a divorce because it would be too scandalous. And I'm just going to screw around behind you and you'll never be able to, you know, which does seem kind of like a stretch. Like, seriously, like you wouldn't do something about like, like, oh, okay. Like you wouldn't like he wouldn't just say, okay, you've seen his temper. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is fishy. Like the whole story is fishy um yeah like you said like he's it's all based on his his say in the movie yeah and it's different in the book but in the movie that's what we're going on that's yeah you have to only you, yeah like she yeah she has this jerk cousin that she was sleeping with but 
like that's just her sleeping with a jerk cousin like and like obviously she was suicidal at the end of her life right and so there's other stuff going on with health wise uh she, she was suicidal and probably might be bipolar um, if she had these massive mood swings, she definitely had a narcissism issue. She most likely had some sort of narcissism issue. But if she was, if she was functioning with these mass—not to psychoanalyze fictional characters—but if she was functioning with these massive mood swings, where she was presenting herself as like perfectly together and happy in one sense, and then like a, a like raving like Harridan on the other side, like maybe there was something going on in here. I'm pointing to my head besides like she's just a bad person like maybe there were issues that weren't addressed Mm -hmm. because they did result in a woman goading a man into killing her like yeah (laughs) we don't know the entire story (laughs) speaking of the entire story uh there were many adaptations of rebecca there is like several if you get the criterion edition of the movie which i highly recommend picking up the criterion edition of the movie so many special features, commentary tracks, documentaries, behind-the-scenes stuff, and three adaptations of this of it as a radio show available on the Criterion Edition. You want to hear the original? No. Want, why not? Uh, one of them is Orson Welles playing. Uh, it's his production. He's playing De Winter. Um, there's a version. Uh, I think, or maybe God, maybe he played him in more than one. Uh, I know that. Um, what's her face who played? Mrs. DeWinter in this movie, whose name all of a sudden escapes me, uh, uh, played her on radio again. There used to be this thing they would do with movies where you would adapt, a movie would come out, and they did this with Star Wars too. And you I would, know. You would adapt a movie into a radio show. They also did it with Doctor Who, because, which isn't a movie, it's a TV show. But Because how else are you going to do it? Like, no one's going to be able to watch these at home, but you can listen to a one-hour version of the story. And so they did that with this. There were several different Rebecca's. Um, there's this movie, obviously, but then there were like television adaptations of Rebecca. This story has lived on. It's been on stage many times. There's an opera of it. Uh, there was a, mu- a German musical. I need to talk to you. They're not gonna be able to hear the beeping of the laundry machine. No, they're not. Okay. Um, it was just. A, it was just. It's a. It's a story that people love. Uh, obviously, it's a story that Alfred Hitchcock loved and really wanted to adapt. Um, so, it's been around for a long time. At the end of the day, though, what do you think of Rebecca? I liked it. Did you like it? Mm-hmm. What did you like about just in just a few words? What did you like the most about it? Big, scary fire. <laughs> I liked the fire. No, um, I don't know. It just had a good like. It had a good like. What's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, atmosphere. Yeah. It had a good atmosphere about it, and it was. I liked the main character. Um, there were some good, like, funny moments in it. Haha. Um, good acting. I recommend it. Good. Uh, so do I. I mean, highly. I think Rebecca's great. My mom really likes it, too. It's one of her favorite movies. Um, someone else really liked this movie. His name was Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot this was a podcast about, about del Toro. It's on his Ecstasy of Influence list. Which is uh, why we watched which it. Is why we watched it. And do you see the parallels between this movie and something like crimson peak yes <laughs> you... you know what else wait i was gonna say something snarky and hilarious i can't remember it one second um i can't remember what i was gonna say and now i'm sad but do you see where like oh yes i remember oh, what, was, say. what was the snarky i mean thing? after knowing that he likes the raven 
He better like pretty much every movie. <laughs> but you can see where like this kind of story really just captured his imagination. Because mm-hmm. Crimson Peak is in some ways like Rebecca to the extreme. Yeah. Like there's not one dead wife. There's several dead wives. There's not like just the mousy protagonist. There's the mousy protagonist whose father was murdered by the evil sister. Like the sister isn't just like a little aloof. She's evil. Like he took like Rebecca and like ramped it up. I don't like Crimson Peak. I know you don't like Crimson Peak, but you can see where the influence <laughs> is. Um, that gothic atmosphere. But I think, like I said, there's several uh, Hitchcock movies on this list. I think that knowing how Del Toro works with both directors were a- are able to do what is one of the most difficult things in the world, which is take a stable of artists, like have your favorite artists, designers, f- musicians, uh, uh, art, uh, graphic artists, graphic designers, all come together and work towards a common goal uh, act, and create a unified piece of art. Mm-hmm. And that is super hard to do. Like, and not have it seem like, one person's doing one thing, one person's doing another thing. Like getting some of the most talented people in the world together to create facets of a story that all work together as one piece. And Del Toro does that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so did Hitchcock. Like he got the best. And might have been a terrible person. He might have been a terrible was person. He was a great artist. He was a great director. Like, and he knew how to facilitate the talents of other artists. Kind of, you know, say what you will about the guy. He knew how to get a solid product. He was very charismatic. Yep. And like most terrible people like are. Most terrible people. Um, not, I just want to say most, but the ones, a who, lot are, of the ones who aren't people. charismatic, you just don't hear about them. They're yeah. just terrible people that nobody likes. <laughs> you forgot about. Um, but I adore this movie. And it's I can, a good movie. And I understand why it's so just grand, but also like a Del Toro film, the characters are what's important. Um, like the way they interact and they're all broken people. Don't you mean what happens in the story isn't important and neither are the characters? I'm so <laughs> stop, upset stop, about that. Stop. We don't want to drag anyone's names into this. We're not dragging anyone's names. Um, I, n- I never said a name. I just yeah. said my <laughs> opinion on what someone else said. This is a phenomenal film uh, and I highly recommend it. Pick up the Criterion, the Blu-ray or the DVD. Watch you- it twice. Watch it twice in a row. Look at it from a man's perspective and look at it from a woman's perspective. Yep. And, look uh, at it from the dog's perspective. For just remember that this movie is full of unreliable narrators. We don't even know who's telling the truth. It's worse this. than Gatsby. Worse than Gatsby. I thought you were going to say worse than Cats. I was like, nope. I like that musical. <laughs> <laughs> There's the, our cat's asleep. She's sleeping on the radiator now. And uh, She's still breathing. Okay. Our next movie, though, is not a Hitchcock movie. It is something I can't remember the name of. <laughs> it is a movie you've seen. Oh, really? And you're going to have to watch again. I don't know how happy you're going to be about it. I can't remember if you like the movie or not. It is Walt Disney's Fantasia. Oh, I like that movie. Oh, good. Because <laughs> it's kind of long. And if you don't like it... It has good music. It, well, I hope so. That's what it is. Uh, Walt Disney's Fantasia coming I've up. I've seen it like 12 times. So, yeah, that'll be, our, uh, that'll be our next movie. I'm looking forward to talking Fantasia. Another troubling film, like troubled production by a horrible person <laughs> disney had his ups and downs we'll talk about him later on but it's gonna be fun to want talk about disney movies my fondest memory of fantasia is in our old like fourplex or whatever uh-huh. and i was sitting in the living room and we were watching fantasia and it was really late at night 
And? That's it. Oh, that's, that's all it. I remember. <laughs> I was like four or five. Right. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll talk about Fantasia. We'll be talking about more movies, uh, hopefully soon. Remember that time that I fell out of my bed and I didn't wake up until the morning and there was blood all over my floor? Crimson Peak. Did I never tell you about that? Yes, okay. yes, I know that story. You fell out of the bed and you broke your, or you hurt your I nose. broke my nose. You did not break your nose. You, you, you banged your nose. Did I tell you about the time I knocked myself out on the playground? Yes. You know, all these stories. All these wonderful stories. And until then, I am Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we'll see you when... It's Del Toro, Del Toro time. time.